It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we do our best to connect the dots between who we are as physical, emotional, spiritual, and intellectual individuals. Um, we are little beings of light that run around out there sharing uh, hopefully all positive energy, but not necessarily so. And in the last two years, what I keep explaining to people is the importance of knowing your D as in dog three level, which is your immune function. And so if you go to my website, which is www.synergyconnectionradio.com, you will see a link into Boomers Forever Young. And Boomers Forever Young has world-class products that I've been using for five years. And I believe that I can attribute my overall wellness to using these products. But more importantly, we need to take a lot of personal responsibility now for staying healthy. And so if your stress level is through the roof, if you are anxious, if you're depressed about our current uh, environment, whether it's you know, our uh, ecology, uh, environmental issues, or whether it's our political environment that we're in, um, if you believe that uh, you're not sleeping very well, all of the things that impact your health, please go to this website and click on their link and go in there. You can even sign up for a free health newsletter, but they have blogs, they have videos, there's podcasts in there, uh, there's testimonies, and maybe somebody that you're going to read as a testimony is just like you, you know, and maybe they have similar health issues and they've gotten amazing results, you know, from these products. So um, the other thing that I want to share is if you're getting ready to do your annual physical, please ask your doctor to do what's called a D, again, that's D as in dog, three blood lab, and maybe do a C-reactive protein test. The C-reactive protein measures your level of inflammation and the D3 gives you your immune number and you want that number to be above 70. You want your C-reactive protein number to be below one. Um, and uh, that will tell you, you know, again, how healthy you are internally um, and how much you're gonna be able to combat whatever's out there, whether it's a virus or whether it's something else that you're encountering, but you'll be able to come back from it if you keep your levels high. My level is an 82. I tell everybody that on my um, immune system and my C-reactive protein is a 0.3. So I have very little inflammation running around inside my body. Alrighty. So having said all of that, I'm just stressing, please take personal responsibility for your health and uh, don't leave it to chance. Uh, I have as a returning guest, uh, one of my dear friends, and his name is Trey Malakote. And Trey and I have known each other now for, I was trying to figure it out the other day. I think it's coming up on 10 years. Close, yeah. Yeah, we've known each other a long time. So he holds his master's degree in counseling psychology, and he works today as a personal coach, writer, and speaker on multiple topics. Um, I personally believe that his strength lies in his ability to give people the tools that they need to step out of their destructive behaviors. And he refers to it as a narrative. And, you know, we give ourselves these scripts 
and we live them out unless something isn't working. And then sometimes we come to a dead halt and we have to go, gee, you know, what do I need to do differently? Because I don't like the results I'm getting. And Trey has this unique ability to help you move into a life of joy and happiness if you understand that particular narrative. So welcome back to the show. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, and it is such a pleasure to be with you today. You know, I'm so excited to chat with you today about the impact of COVID, but I want to make a clarity, uh, have a, a point of clarity. First of all, what I want to chat about today is the mental health and the social impact of COVID and living through a pandemic and what we need to do to heal, to navigate out of these waters. So uh, I'm not going to be talking today really about uh, treatments or vaccines or anything like that, but I am going to be talking about the impact on mental health and our social stability of COVID. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So, you know, as COVID began, as the pandemic began, I began to really watch and, and analyze how people were responding. And, I, you know, not too long ago, many of us can remember walking the streets, not seeing cars, uh, wiping down packages from Amazon with, with alcohol, worrying about masks and gloves and all sorts. And so what happened when COVID first came onto the scene was this automatic fight or flight response. It was an instantaneous fear response that we literally have lived with now going on three years or however long it's been. I, you know, the idea of time has completely escaped most people as well. And then nevertheless, what, what has happened is that we had a blast of fear initially, and now we've lived with this ongoing fear. Now, the reason that's important to point out is that our bodies are not designed to deal with an ongoing threat all the time. No. Uh, we can deal with episodic threats, and uh, what happens neurochemically is that our fight or flight mechanism kicks into gear, we respond to the threat, and then we reach a point of resolution. But from a neurochemical standpoint now, what's happening is that people are not reaching a, a state of equilibrium. They're living in a state of ongoing fear. And that has all sorts of impact mm -hmm. on the body, you know, uh, uh, blood pressure problems, heart difficulties, breathing difficulties, uh, inflammation, that, that ongoing stress reaction creates everything from obesity to heart disease. And so what I want us to think about is really how has COVID impacted you and what story are you holding? I'm saying not you specifically, Lucy, of course, I want your opinion, but listeners to your show, how have you been impacted by the fear? And the reason that I want us to think about that is that fear is an illusion. Now, granted, if we were running across the Serengeti being chased by a tiger, that would be very <laughs> real fear. But yeah. Yeah. when it comes down to living every day in our lives, we, of course, have fears about our sociopolitical structures and, you know, famine and climate change and all sorts of things. But for most of us, we're not really living in a state of survival fear every single day. Right. So my question is, what fear are you wrestling with? Now, the second thing that I would ask is, what's feeding that fear? You see, when we clicked into this pandemic mode of fight or flight, the natural 
mental response when you're in a state of fear is to gather information, to watch, to listen, to taste, to smell, to, to touch, to, to our senses are there to gather information so that we can either respond to the threat or resolve from the threat. And what has happened now is that each person in the, in the US at least, and I think across the globe actually, is feeding their fear through all sorts of methods, uh, newspapers, podcasts, blogs, news outlets, dystopian movies, uh, violence on TV. If you look at it as a funnel that keeps your fear alive, what are the inputs? Mm-hmm. And I'll just ask you, Lucy, what are the inputs in your world? What are you watching and reading and thinking about? And moreover, how do you think that's impacting you on a daily basis? Uh, well, I unplug. <laughs> so um, what I basically have done, I love Hallmark movies. Okay. And so uh, at the end of my day, if I don't have something that I absolutely need to do, then, you know, I, I won't turn on the news. I'll turn on a Hallmark movie or two, or I'll uh, have recorded some things on nature, or I love uh, some of the Netflix, you know, positive uh, movies that are out there, uh, series like uh, Call the Midwife or Anne with an E or something like that. So I find that I escape, if you will, the realities of what's going on on a daily basis that the news likes to you know, show us. And I just go, no, I'm not gonna buy into the fear that you're uh, handing out. You know, it's, it's nothing I want to consume. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I wanna make an interesting differentiation. You said you escape into this program. Mm-hmm. And that is our natural response to escape into information or into something that's gonna distract us. But what I find intriguing is that people are even escaping into the news. So it's not a matter of, am I choosing good programming versus bad programming? It's a matter of, where am I choosing to escape? Mm -hmm. And if you are escaping into environments where it's more positive, nonviolent, happy, non-dystopian, then that will put you in a better place in terms of coping, but you're still escaping. And well, so, I, yeah, but I think I think you would escape, you know, and I use that word lightly, but I mean, there's a park that you and I both are very familiar with. Okay. And I go there. I, I've gone there for the last, you know, two plus years that we've been in this um, situation uh, mm-hmm. pandemically because it's out. It's in the open. It's nature. There's birds. There's, you know, dolphins. There's manatees. Sometimes there's. Right. Um, moonflowers, you know, and it's so peaceful. So I think uh-huh. you find your little arena of peace that uh-huh. you can go to. Um, what I do find is that a number of individuals seem to look at their tablet or get on their computer or get on their phone to see who is supporting their fear. Mm-hmm. You know, see, this is going on. You have to look at this kind of right. thing. And I go, no, I really don't have to look at it because for me, it's not a truth. If you right. want it to be your truth, that's your choice. But for me, it's not my truth. Absolutely. So let me, let me circle back. First of all, we have a choice with how we're feeding our fear. 
-hmm. And that is, are you going down a path of escapism, effectively down a path that is going to perpetuate fear? People online that are promoting certain ideas, dystopian movies, um, hostile and angry movies that you're watching on Netflix, uh, reading the news every morning, etc. That's one path that people are going down. The other path is that people are getting consumed with TikTok or Instagram or Netflix or Pornhub. For instance, <laughs> did you know that the utilization of this one website called Pornhub has had an increase of 100% since no. the pandemic? No. <laughs> really? Yeah, crazy. Netflix and other streaming services, over a 50% increase of utilization. So think of it like this. We've got two paths we can go down. And those are both paths of escapism, right? Now, if you go down a negative path that has violence and dystopia and anger and hostility, that's going to keep you in a state of fight or flight. If you go down a path that's just distracting and um, maybe addictive in other forms, you're still laid, laying a pattern of dysfunction that most people aren't aware of. For instance, every time you see a like or a comment on your social media pages, that gives you a tiny little dose of dopamine that makes you feel better, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm inviting people to do if they want to take a mighty leap into their mental health during this pandemic is to do what you suggested. Get into nature, get back to having conversations with real humans, appreciate the beauty of outdoors, and connect socially in some way that transcends your electronic platforms. Now, I believe there's a grounding nature when we're able to be in, in nature that grounds us physiologically and that serves as a calming element mm -hmm. in our lives. It decreases our respiration, it slows our heart rate, it uh, improves all sorts of things physiologically. So what I'm proposing is the first step if you want to get healthy is to think really clearly about which path you're going down. And if you're going down the more positive path, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I am saying that you want to be very cautious that you could be laying a habitual foundation for something else that you hadn't even thought about. Okay. Such and as? well, if you're using Pornhub, for instance, oh, you might yeah. become <laughs> addicted to porn or you might a waste uh, 10 or 15 or 20 hours watching a Netflix series. Um, right. You know, what happened with the pandemic is that it drew us to a place of profound isolation. And most people are scared to death of being in solitude. Mm -hmm. And what we do in solitude reveals what we're thinking about, where we're going, how our minds are working. And we're not designed to be constantly distracted. We're designed to be in a state of constant creativity. Are you feeling stressed and anxious about life? Have elevated blood pressure? Experiencing weight gain? Having problems with your immune system? Getting healthy and staying healthy is more important than ever. And it has never been easier when you have fundamental nutrition from Boomer products. Restore the youth and vitality you are used to in just minutes a day. Check out our website at www.boomerboost.com to see thousands of reviews from customers just like you who are benefiting from Boomer products. 
While you're there, check out our podcasts, blogs, and videos, and get caught up on the latest health news and information. Use promo code LUCY at checkout. That's L-U-C-Y to save $5 on your order. Stop existing and start living today with Boomer products. It's not like people can go and do art classes <clears throat> because, you know, the studios are, are struggling, you know, in that regard. Right. Um, but there's so many things like if somebody wanted to become a master gardener, for instance, mm -hmm. I think that's something that you could actually do even in the midst of what we're going through, because yeah. you can take the classes online or if you went to a horticulture center, um, I'm sure there's more than six feet, you know, apart, but you're outside for the most part. And so right. you can learn about master gardening and that would be a healthy outlet in my mind or take a cooking class or, mm -hmm. you know, learn how to journal or maybe, you know, write your memoirs or something. I don't know. There's a lot of different creative outlets for people, even if they feel like they can't go out and socialize. Uh -huh. What I would encourage people to do is think about whatever they're consuming because they're either feeding a fear or feeding a distraction. But in that feeding of the distraction, they can choose programming that is actually intellectually stimulating. Documentaries, classes. Do you know you can tour most of the major museums virtually now? Yeah. Uh, you can attend concerts. I want to encourage people to do things that stimulate their thought, their sense of creativity, their sense of wonder in the world, rather than numbing them to whatever the, they just don't want to think about. It's, right. it's Perhaps it's another form of distraction. Sure it is. But it's a healthier distraction because it's actually empowering you to do something with that social isolation. Now, that leads me to a second point. When COVID came onto the scene, what happened was we all locked down with a friend or a family member or, uh, you know, somebody, a COVID partner. And what I've noticed now, at least with a lot of the clients that I have, is that there's a level of relational isolation. People are losing their ability to understand other people, to communicate openly. I've even seen a number of people dealing with agoraphobia, fear of crowds, fear of socialization. And I think that that's part and parcel. If you think about it this way, you're watching movies all day. You're in an alternative reality. Uh, you don't have to interact with people verbally uh, or face to face. And all of a sudden, it becomes real easy to get shy to get uncomfortable with social interaction. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanna do is encourage people, now on the flip side of that, sorry, this is a tangent, on the flip side of that, you are either isolated because of a, a lack of social interaction or you've been Zoomed to death, right? <laughs> right. Now, neither is good because Zoom is a formalized process typically. And if you're socially isolated, you're not having that that repertoire, that, that conversational spontaneity. And so if you are going to engage with people electronically, do it so it's just like a normal conversation as opposed to sitting in a meeting. Right, uh, right. Find opportunities online where you can be a part of discussion groups or interest groups. And there's a website called Meetup that's offering all sorts of different things that are electronic, virtually focused, but still give you social interaction. And if you're having fears 
about how to function in the world, even tiny, you know, I know for me, I'm a very social person, but there got, there came a point where I was even apprehensive to go to the grocery store because what COVID has forced us to do, and sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but what COVID has forced us to do is make a calculated risk decision every time we go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that becomes exhausting. So if you go into a grocery store, you have to calculate, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Am I going to re- be around people that are hacking and coughing? Uh, have they sanitized things? There's all sorts of things in our brain. And we're really calculating, am I surviving and safe here? Or is this a threatening place? Now, that's crazy when you get right down to it, because we can't continue to function that way. No, and, and you know, Troy, the thing that has become a little bit of a bigger concern for me is mm-hmm. where initially people were looking at, you know, the vaccine as I'm safe. Uh-huh. I've had, you know, both of my shots um, and I'm safe. And then they realized that, no, they, they were getting breakthrough cases. And right. then we went to the boosters and then, no, we're getting, you know, people that have had COVID now that were even boosted and they've had it once or twice. And mm-hmm. so I think what's beginning to happen to people is this huge paranoia that's going on with, like you said, if I go to the grocery store, even where I thought I was safe, I'm not. I'm not anymore because I know people that have had breakthrough cases and they're fully vaccinated with a booster and they're still getting sick. And so it's like, where do you turn? You know, what what do you do? And, you know, does that become even more social social isolation? Do you remember when you and um, our friend, we traveled in the Uh RV? And Mm -hmm. back then, the social isolation I was seeing is people were addicted to their phones. So Uh they were sitting where the three of us sat and talked and looked around, everybody kind of around us was on their phone looking down and not mm-hmm. looking at the person that was even at the dinner table with them. Right. And so now, you know, we've, we're doing even more of that. So right. our phones are our buddy. Uh-huh. The computer is a buddy. Uh, Zoom is a workplace. Um, and sometimes it's a family communication, you know, if everybody's mm-hmm. getting together by Zoom. But it is, you're right. It's more and more and more social isolation. Well, I think along with that social isolation, there's a level of social blunting that will occur. Social blunting is when you lose certain skills and abilities to function with other people. Mm. For instance, I have a client that I'm working with right now who's a 17-year-old young lady, and she got so locked down and so paranoid and fearful about things that she now is terrified to have a, a just an innocuous conversation with someone. Wow. And it struck me that I was coaching her on how to seek to understand someone and have a simple conversation. That's an impact of this pandemic. And I think if I were a parent of younger children, I would do everything in my power to have my children interacting with other human beings now is the time to pull them away from the electronics as opposed to putting another electronic game or whatever it may be in front of them wow that's really really true because they're missing in many cases so much school 
and right. school was where you learn social skills. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, they don't know if somebody's arguing with them what to even do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, that leads me to a, a, another thing that I think has been remarkably impactful, and that is familial and friendship discord. Have you noticed how many people have disengaged, estranged from, become hostile with friends or family members because they believe differently? Mm-hmm. What this pandemic has done is forced us along the lines of a more rigid form of thought. Black and white thinking is, is very clear to me. And we do that as a fear response. So neurochemically, did you know that your brain is in a state of fight or flight? Your brain is constantly looking for the threat and we will always defer to the negative. No, I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So we always go to the negative and the more fearful we are, the more we cling to those rules, those, those expectations of safety, those, those judgments, those conditions that give us a sense of I'm okay in the world. As long as I believe this now to use an example, we saw people over the last couple of years do crazy things fighting in Taco Bell, um, an insurrection at the Capitol. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on. We're, we're looking at people, we're saying, did they lose their minds? Because it <laughs> looks like they didn't have any common sense. Right. Well, here's what concerns me. When someone's in a state of fight or flight, they are not in the state of thinking where they're calculating the nuances. They're in a reactive state. Right. And when we're in that reactive state, we hold more tightly to our rules, our conditions, our judgments, our expectations. And we do that because that gives us an illusion of safety. Now, that being said, the byproduct of that has been that people are are losing friends. They're losing family members. They're becoming even more socially isolated because they're not able to connect to the people that love them just because. Now there's a a bridge we have to cross. I will love you if you believe what I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's alarming to me. Yes, yes, yeah. Can you think of examples in your life where people have just gotten really crazy with you or inflammatory in some way and the byproduct of that or the results of that? Um, Fortunately, I would say no. In, in my particular case. However, I am aware of families that say, for instance, um, I somebody that says, no, I, for religious reasons or for health reasons, I'm not gonna be vaccinated. And mm-hmm. the rest of their family members say, well, then we can't see you. And uh-huh. so, you know, I've seen that um, certainly politically, there mm-hmm. has been a lot in the last four years um, you know, in terms of just people that were um, believers in President Trump and now believers in President Biden and, you know, looking at uh, the disparities, you know, that were there and people that, um, you know, I don't know, it's, it's pure craziness on my way of thinking um, mm-hmm. to, to look at some of this because we're allowing forces outside of who we are 
intrinsically as people, our values, our beliefs. We're allowing other authorities, if you will, that are in the world to shape and instead of going internally and checking in with ourselves and with our hearts and saying, you know, what do you believe in? What is important for you? We're not doing that. We're allowing everybody else out there to make these decisions. And that is the most alarming thing to me. Well, and I would contend that that's actually a fear response. Mm -hmm. You know, the other day I was chatting with my sister who is a well-educated nurse. uh, And I, you know, I'm not offering an opinion one way or the other in terms of vaccination. But when I chatted with her, she said, Trey, I've had COVID twice now. And I said, oh, wow, have you been vaccinated? Just a natural question that we're all asking each other, right? And she said, no, it just gives me a weird feeling. And I thought, okay, well, I can respect you. And, you know, we don't have to agree. It doesn't even matter what I think, what you think. But when I hung up the phone, what I realized is I now was dealing with an existential fear that I didn't have before I contacted her. Here's how it worked out. I, after hearing her response, did that calculated risk assessment in my head. She's had it twice. She's got uh, all sorts of health problems, hypoglycemia, blood pressure problems, et cetera. I did this calculation in my head and then jumped to a place where I said, no matter what, if it's not about vaccines, no matter what, her health is compromised and that's going to ultimately end up with me potentially losing her Mm -hmm. and then I had to go through this response of reconciling myself to that existential issue right so what I propose is that this is far more complicated than just an opinion one direction or the other what it's doing is it's compounding the fear that we're having so every interaction we have with people adds another layer of fear fear about our own self and our own sense of safety, fear about their sense of safety and the relational connection we have with them, fear about their beliefs and the differences in our beliefs, fear about our social perspectives, um, politically, etc. And when you put all those fears together, we have a perfect storm that's creating a population that is operating blindly because we are in a fight or flight state. Well, and I think that's why so many people are angry all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, the frustration level, they're taking it out. And, you know, whether it's a sports arena or whether it's out on the highway, um, but we have more and more of those kinds of situations. So, and fear of loss, you know, is huge. You know that, and I know that. So, um, you know, when you're looking like at your sister, you know, that would be a normal response is to say, I don't want to lose you. Would you please go get vaccinated so that I don't have that fear? But what I'm also saying is that we now know that it doesn't make any difference. You could have had all of your vaccinations and your booster shot and still end up catching it. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really reduce that fear. And maybe that's a part of life that we possibly need to be looking at is you know, the connections we have with one another, instead of thinking, okay, you know, I'll see that person soon. And Mm -hmm. the soon goes on and on and on. Um, You know, because I went back and saw my brother this last fall, 
and I hadn't seen him for four years. And in mm-hmm. part, I wanted to make sure that if anything happened to him, that I wasn't saying, I wish I had, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I did it. I, you know, took the trip and spent time with him because it, you were never guaranteed tomorrow. Right. Right. And whether it's COVID or whether it's a car accident or a health complication that just rises up and, you know, says, hi, um, we're not guaranteed anything. So maybe, you know, having this pandemic to me, there are all kinds of blessings in it is that we now know that we need to take better care of ourselves. We need to reduce stress. We need to find avenues that make us happy and joyful. We need to eat differently. We need to look at, um, you know, if we have some addictions, whether it's the old one of smoking, which people still do, or whether it's drugs or whether it's alcohol or whether it's shopping, you know, whatever that addiction is, maybe you need to really address it. Maybe you need to address relationships and say, hey, I love you and I want, you know, to be a part of your life. And we need to figure out how to make that happen so that we are more together or connected, um, you know, as individuals rather than disconnecting. And that's a lot of what we're talking about is the disconnect. Absolutely. Well, you know, the bigger issue at play now is that what this pandemic has done is forced us to have what's called an externalized locus of control. What we're doing as human beings is looking outside of ourselves for a sense of safety, security, peace, happiness, joy. And you and I both know that no matter how far and how long we look outside of ourselves for those things, we will not find them. Right. Now that's an existential issue that drives us toward the internal locus of control. And what I want your listeners to understand is that the only thing we control is our perception and our reaction. Mm -hmm. And so if I perceive my friends as a threat to me, I will react to them in a threatening way. If I perceive a political party to be a threat, I will react in a a responsive way. Um, And ultimately, what I want us to do is get to a point where we say, The only thing we have control over is our experience right here, right now. Now, that sounds easier said than done, but I think it begins with knowing where, how, and where you're feeding your fear. That's the first step. The second step is to be aware of what your body really does when it's in a stressful environment. So most people are not in their body. I mean, we're in our bodies as a bad as <laughs> yeah. so Metaphorically, we're not in our bodies. We don't understand when we're kicking into a ruminating thought pattern or uh, an anxious presence. And so what I want people to do is get real clear on what their homeostatic state is and what their agitated state is. And when they kick into an agitated state, I want them to do a couple of things. Number one, change their state, get up, move, stand up, dance around, do something to change your physical state, and then focus on the breath. Deep breathing in, exhaling deeply. Inhale, exhale. Because if we can center on the breath, we then can shift ourselves neurochemically out of that responsive fight or flight mechanism on some level. Now, sometimes we're so entrenched in that fight or flight response that really all we need to do is stay in our rooms and not interact with people because we're going to get stupid. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's looking at present moment versus the illusion of permanence in terms of friends and family. Is it really worth arguing about, you know, if you were on your deathbed, would you really be arguing about the same things? Right. Exactly. Right. And when you're having an anxiety or an anger response, is it really worth getting that mad about? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if you're feeling agitated and you can't sleep and you're struggling with, with whatever it may be, is the world going to collapse ultimately? We don't know, but we can choose to live presently or we can choose to live in our fear. Right. 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 Now, as a therapist, when you saw people expressing anger, how did you view anger and what was anger a byproduct of? Well, most anger is, a, to me at least, it's a byproduct of fear of loss of control. Uh -huh. um, so if somebody is angry, it's because you're not doing it their way or you don't understand or, you know, there's some, some aspect of you're not compliant. And if right. you're not being compliant, then I'm angry with you. Um, so I can't remember what else you were asking me. You asked me two questions. Well, <laughs> you dialed it in. What I was driving at is that really what has happened is that we've been rendered powerless. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that's triggered the control mechanism, the need for control. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can either accept the idea that you can only control your perceptions and your reactions. Or you can attempt to control everything and everyone in your world. Now, we know where that's going to get you. Exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> right? And going back to this idea of a calculated risk decision, you know, the audience that we can turn to or the population that we can turn to that understands this more than anyone is the gay male population because they've already done this experiment of having to calculate risk. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.